Hello and welcome to episode 213 of the Punter Podcast. I'm Chris Barnett. On Saturday, it's the Coral Eclipse, where the classic generation take on older horses for the first time this season. Earlier on in the week, we spoke to Aidan O'Brien about Paddington's chances as the only three-year-old runner in this year's renewal. There's also the five furlong charge at Sandown on an exciting day's racing at the Isha course. Haydock is the venue for the Group 2 Lancashire Oaks and the famous handicap, the Old Newton Cup, takes place on the same afternoon. City AM Racing Editor Bill Esdale previews the best of the weekend's race in action with Wally Pyra looking ahead to Sunday's meeting in Hong Kong. Well, Bill, we've got a nice weekend of racing coming up. Sandown is the, the main car. We've got Haydock as well. And the Eclipse, we'll hear from Maestro Aidan O'Brien. He was in a Jockey Club press conference this week. Managed to speak to him on Thursday. So we'll hear from Aidan on today's show, talking about Paddington, the only three-year-old in the Eclipse. But before we look ahead to the racing this weekend, let's just touch on a race which we wouldn't normally look at. The 5.28 at Worcester on Wednesday afternoon into the evening. And a horse called Hilson, who finished third for trainer Chris Honor. Dylan Kitts, the jockey who claims three, gave it a very tender ride most of the way around. And certainly from jumping the last one, it looked like in a position to win it. He uh, didn't win it. He got beat three quarters of a length and half a length. And uh, a very tender ride. And since then, Chris Honor, the trainer who's been having loads of criticism as well as the jockey, has asked the owner we hear, to take two of his horses out of the yard. It didn't look good, though, did it? It was a conditional jockey's handicap hurdle as well. Yeah, it looked terrible. It did look terrible. And you can dress it up and however you like it. But, you know, anyone who's watched racing for a period of time just knows that's a non-trier that's come there swinging. Um, He's made no attempt to try and win the race. Even coming down to the last, he's trying to hold on to the horse. Um, Look, right... Racing has its issues with educational runs, and here is a kid that is riding to orders. You know, he's he's not he's not the sole person to blame in this. He's been told not to win on the horses. You can dress it up however you like, um, but as they jump the last, he takes a tug, and he is holding onto a horse that's about a length off the lead, um, with uh, and, and motionless. You just see him; he's, he's not doing anything, and that's not to do with a. The, what they say in the horse in the past has thrown throwing chances away and has to be held on to. He's he's just not trying. And the fallout's been ugly. Uh, you mentioned that um, Chris Honors asked the owner to take take the two horses away. There's a stable mate as well um, because he doesn't want any part of this kind of circus as he described it. Um, and said he doesn't want to go racing with them. Some of the quotes don't read great. You know, I don't want to be part of this. I don't want to go racing with them. Uh, I want to be away from all this. Um, you know, I've done my job. The horse is fit and ready to roll, end of, and all this stuff. It, it just sounds like he wasn't part of it, and it was the owner's instructions. And it, it's an it's an ugly affair. Uh, I know the horse has been banned for 30 days, but racing has to stamp down on this because it's a, it's a terrible look. Here we are beginning the... Eclipse podcast talking about it is the front of the racing post. It's it's the news we don't want, um, and that's why the punishment has to be severe and more severe than it is, so people just don't do it again. Um, and ultimately, 
you know, is a 30-day ban enough? You know, I think it's they need a full investigation. They need to see everyone that was laying the horse on Betfair. Um, they need to see those that were confident enough to lay it in running at, at those prices and just, just see if, if, where all the roads lead uh, and then punish accordingly because it's an ugly look and it needs to be stamped out. And the way it looks with the betting from that angle opened up at sevens, went out to tens, and eventually SPV 11 to 1. So it wasn't that they were going to save it and then back it at a decent price because it was a decent price. It was clearly backing so it didn't win because they must have must have laid it. Because why would you not want to back in 11 to 1 horse if it's much the best in the race? Yeah, uh, totally, totally. And, it, and it's it's... It's just an ugly situation. You feel sorry for the the more innocent parties that are being dragged into it. You know, you've got a young jockey who's obviously been told not to win on the horse, and he's got a nightmare situation where he's come there swinging. You know, it's 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 very very hard. Um, it, but like I said, it's just not a great look for racing, and they need to to stamp it out straight away. Let's hope they get a handle on it and uh, sort all that out because the video's out there. If you haven't seen it, you you want to watch it. It is out there on most social media outlets, uh, and it's uh, not great to watch at all. Okay, uh, Sandown, we've had uh, a bit of watering. We've got lots of hot weather. Friday's supposed to be 28 degrees. Saturday supposed to be dry day as well. Great for the cricket, great for racing as well. It's going to be good going, isn't it, Sandown? Yeah, Andrew Cooper's just tweeted this morning. Uh, this is Friday morning we're recording. So beautiful morning here at Sandown. Going currently remains on the slow side of good, but will continue to dry with a hot 28 degree, degree day here in store. Going is good. Good to soft in places on the round course. Good to soft, good in places on the sprint course. Going stick readings will be taken from 8 a.m. It will be good ground. They've got a hot day today. I don't think he intends to water. Uh, and by the time we get to Eclipse, we're going to be on the faster side of good. So perfect yeah. racing ground. Um, the rain that that hit the track earlier in the week has all kind of done its job and the track looks glorious. There's a picture that, that Andrew Cooper's posted and it's it's stunning, healthy green grass with a good covering and, yeah, no excuses stuff. Yeah, Aidan O'Brien actually mentioned in part of the interview with the Jockey Club how well the ground is always presented at Sandown. So, uh, well done, Andrew Cooper. Very good. Clark, of course, he's also in charge of Epsom as well. Uh, right, the 150 is when we get underway at Sandown Saturday afternoon. It's the Five Fill and Coral Charge. It's a group three with 11 runners. I've said it before and I'll say it again. This is Five Fill on course at Sandown, which is only used for that particular distance, is a nightmare for me. You just never seem to get the run of the race. You need to be drawn low, but then if you are drawn low and you don't get out, you're stuck on the rail and you can't get out. So I don't know where to even start with the draw, where you want to be. I know Anav is in there. He's drawn 11 for Big Appleby and Russell Ryan. And a lot of these horses are coming here on the back of the King's stand. Um, Anav was third behind Bradsell in that race. Equilateral was fifth. And also Marshman was seventh. There's others further down as well. But those three at the top of the betting, Marshman for Carl Burke and the Equilateral, Charlie Hills, Jamie Spencer. Interesting to see Ryan Moore was booked for Carl Burke's Marshman quite early on in the week. They, they certainly wanted to give him the ride on that horse. It's drawn three. Is that a beneficial draw if you obviously get out and don't get stuck behind a wall of horses? Yeah, I mean, Marshman was a was a warm order for that Duke of York's Clipper stakes back in May um, when things just didn't go right. Um 
he ended up finishing fifth there. It wasn't a bad run, but travelled like the winner over six and, and dropped back to, to five in France when just touched off by game run and get ahead in a bit of a three-way drive um, in, a, in a group two over five and then ran fine, ran seventh behind Bradsall, beaten five lengths, as you said, in the, in the King stand. But this is a... Like you said, a, a, a trappy sprint. We were there on this day last year because King of Stars ran in the last. Um, yeah, I remember. But the, the Coral Charge is, like you say, you get more hard luck stories on this sprint course than you do luck stories. And yeah. that's why people like horses to try and be up front. It's it's a price-related thing here. There's, It's a very tight market. You know, I'm looking looking down the card here, like Hills, for example, a five's favourite, Anaf. Uh, eleven to two, get ahead. Eleven to two, equatorial. Six, marshman. Thirteen to two, type of flow. Thirteen to two, equality. I mean, you've got six horses covered by a point or two in the betting, and you can make cases out for all of them. Marshman's got a big one in, got a great jockey, got a big in, got a good draw. Anas probably brings the best piece of form. Third in the King Stand, drawn out wide. Get ahead is progressive and speedy, but but drawn out wide. Equilateral is a horse I like who's held, holding his form with a string of good runs and, and was a close-up. Uh, in the, Unlucky in this race last year and close-up in the King's Stand type of flows on the back of winning of over six furlongs on the all-weather. Quality we know, speeding. Reed Rasel's the winner of this race 12 months ago. Digital ha- uh, Diligent Harry probably wants to drop back to five now, so he, he, he enters equations. For me, it's a race you probably want to play small stakes and at bigger prices. Um, that's the way to do it. Look, I respect all the ones at the top of the market, but I'm going to have a pound each way on the complete outsider here, existent um, at 25 to 1. My logic behind being with existent in this race is that, that Stuart Williams' horse is five, but he's ultra, ultra consistent, even though that rhymes with existent. He does run run his 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 races. He wasn't beaten far in this race last year. He was fourth, beaten a length and a half with a similar prep. <clears throat> he was finished uh, 11th in the... Um, King Stan being eight and a half lengths by Nature Stip. He actually got closer to Bradsall, was only beaten five and a half half lengths and, and finished ninth. So arguably t- took a bit of a step forward. Um, in his previous run last year, he was fifth uh, to Kings Lynn in the Temple Stakes. He actually ran the better Temple Stakes this year and was fourth to Dramatise. Um, so I think he's actually running well. He's in decent form. Um, he is going to encounter traffic problems from Trap 8, but he'll be out the back. Um Two or three firms are offering four places. Uh, Bet365 are four places, existent 25 to 1. I think that's fair play. Um, William Hill are 20 to 1, four places. And Coral and Betfred, I think, both 20 to 1, four places. I think that's the way to play it. There'll be horses queuing up, trying to barge their way through. And if the gap doesn't open, you won't get through. It's as simple as that. But at 25 to 1, you can afford to take the risk. And I like him each way. And of the top lot, I've just got a feeling that Equilateral and Jamie Spencer's going to run really well. He's 13 to 2 with Bet365. Again, four places each way. Uh, just seems to be holding his form really well. The door slammed on him last year. So, so, um, you can kind of forgive him that disappointing run in this race. Um, but look, two seconds at, uh, at Haydock to kick off the season with a good run behind Bradsall that followed up. He's in good form. I just think he'll run really well. So I'm going to this race playing those two. I'll play, um, uh, Equilateral each way at 13 to 2. Um, four places being important and existent each way at 25 to 1. Four places. Great stuff. That's the, the charge then to start off the day at Sandown at 150. 225. We've got a mile handicap with 15 going to post. Perotta's got the hood on for the first time for Roger Varian. 
having finished down the field in the Royal Hunt Cup at Royal Ascot, indemnify is now with Alice Haynes, having moved from the Varian Yard, in fact, and uh, won at Sandown over a mile back in May for Roger Varian, now goes for Alice Haynes. Uzo's there for the Osbournes. There'll be a couple of bottles of that drunk if Uzo wins, I'd have thought, by the family. Dutch decoy, Charlie Johnston. Uh, Skeptics in there for Andrew Balding in the Fitcher Hay Colours and positive for Clive Cox, amongst others. Uh, how did you see this one, the 225? Roger Varian would know a little bit about Indemnify, but he'll probably know a little bit more about Perotto. Yeah, no, Indemnify was uh, bought at the golf sale before Ascot. Um, supposed to run at Ascot, I didn't think he got a run and was balanced out. So that's why he's having his first run for Alice Haynes here. Um, she's picked up some nice horses recently, Alice. She's doing really well. Yeah, but yeah. Um, Indemnify is a horse going places. You can tell that. Uh, I haven't seen uh, Indemnify run since May. Um here at Sandown, but that was that was a really good run. Uh, up five pounds, which doesn't look too harsh. Going to be a player here. It's just a price thing. Uh, Indemnify is going to be favourite and around five, six to one. Um, going to run his race. Uh, Perotto is becoming expensive to follow. Um, just everyone goes on the fact that he's a very nice horse uh, that's switched from Marcus Stragoning to Roger Varian that's well handicapped. That was the argument two starts ago. Uh, at Ascot off a mark of 97. Uh, it was the argument last time out, the, the reason he got sent off 7-1 favourite for the Royal Hunt Cup off a mark of 96. And here he is off a mark of 94. So the argument still holds true. He's definitely well handicapped. He's better handicapped than both the last two twice, but twice, but he hasn't run terrifically on either occasion, beaten five and a half lengths the first time, a seven and a half lengths behind Jimmy Hendrix. Probably did too much. Hence, they're putting a hood on. Um, look, he'll run well could easily win off that mark, but whether the kind of round course at Ascot, uh, round course at Sandown is his bag. Um, the best runs of his career have come on the straight course at, at Ascot, and it may well be that um, that'll bring out the best in him. Got a good draw, so probably go forward. So never say never. Again, I'd rather delve a bit deeper in the market here and go for, go for a couple at bigger prices here. I thought Spirit Catcher would run well again. Uh, for Charlie Johnson, not a great draw out in Trap 12, but this is a horse who's holding his form uh, really well. Um, most recently, we saw him, saw him in action last week, uh, finishing just a, a nose second to Latam at Newcastle. That that was a good run. That was off a mark of 87. Uh, reappears here off the same mark. So having previously finished second at Redcar, just it's a typical Mark Johnson horse that will probably go forward in this race. Um, despite the draw, uh, I thought Spirit Catcher would run really well. And the other one I thought would go well was Positive. Uh, Positive is a horse, a Clive Cox horse, who actually ran really well from the wrong side of the track um, behind Jimi Hendrix. Uh, I just think that he's a horse that's been dropped another pound since that Ascot run, has got good sand down form. And they're at 12 to 1 and 14 to 1, respectively. I thought I'd rather take the race from an each angle. Intelligent was a horse that I, I thought would run well in the Hunt Cup, didn't. Um, he's off my Christmas card list for the time being. But yeah, I'll go with with Spirit Catcher each way at 14 and Positive each way at 12. Three o'clock, it's the Distaff, a listed race for Phillies run over the mile. Uh, big news coming out Friday morning that Briggs is a non-runner taken out uh, earlier this morning. So I think we're down to 11 now. Stenton Glider is going to be popular 
daughter of Dandy Man for Hugo Palmer and Andrea Edsini. Ammo, I've got Magical Sunset of Richard Hand and Pat Dobbs. He, uh, she was eighth in that uh, Sandringer at Royal Ascot behind Copies. Bridestones is Godolphin Source, but it's a John and Thady Gosling train with Will Buick on board. And Black Sea Dar goes for Carl Berg. Has this changed now? The original favourite has been taken out. Yeah, it definitely changes. Um, this it was it was Breeze was a horse I was quite happy to take on, um, but she doesn't run. She was obviously an excellent second to Coppice. She's a filly I like, um, but she was going to be short here. And oh, Stenton Glider will now be favourite. Hugo Palmer's runner. Uh, she was a good second in the German Guineas uh, last time, having finished. You know, well down the field, thirteenth in in our guineas, but had finished previously a good second to Remarque at Newbury. Uh, we saw how well Remarque ran at Royal Ascot, so that second in the um, Fred Darling looks pretty strong now for for Stenton Glider. Um, the the mile seems to suit. Um, she looks the obvious one. Uh, probably brings the best bits of form to the table, but you know I'm looking at the revised market and she's around five to two now, which is a little bit skinny. Um, magical sunsets, a, a, a nice, nice filly. We we kind of got stuck into her and fancied her a bit behind Remarque uh, in that Fred Darling that we were talking about, and things just didn't go quite right. So she she weakened out of it. Um, whether it was the soft ground or the, I don't know, um, but then she. She stepped forward a little bit with okayish runs behind a trip that was probably too short behind Cold Case and Ascot. Whether she was madly in love with the track behind Olivia Moralda at Epson, I don't know, but it was a much better run at Ascot behind Coppice um, last time off a mark of 102. Uh, she's back up in class in the listed race again. I, th- I just thought she she had a squeak, but I, I didn't think she was kind of nine to two, four to one material that she is now. She was originally sevens and eights and it's it's those those prices have long gone. Um I'd probably take a chance on Bridestones in this. Uh the Godolphin filly of of, of Jonathan Goldston who William Buett rides. Now if you go back and watch the the replay of the Sandrium, um you won't see a horse get worse hampered than it, all, all week at Ascot than, than this filly. She went for a gap over on the far side, obviously on a straight course. Um, and she got into this like wrestling duel with a rival and she literally nearly came down about three out, but she kind of got herself balanced again and then started to run on and run on and run on. And look, she, she ran, she finished fourth of that group over on the far side, which was the wrong side of the track anyway, but she showed a lot of guts to kind of get herself organized and get running again. And I just like the fact that connections ran her in the red darling she wasn't quite good enough and then stepped her up to a group one in France on her third run very un John Gosden like unless he thought she had a real serious engine um, I suppose the niggle might be the ground um, you know because all her first three runs came on very bad ground and uh, and, and obviously the last run was on, on quickest ground but um, whether she wants really soft ground I don't know Um she won first time up at Yarmouth, but she didn't run badly in Ascot last time, like I said, and the ground won't be lightning fast. It'll be dead good, so it'll be perfect. Um, I just thought she'd run well. I reckon a mile on the round course um, will suit her. And yeah, I thought, I mean, it's difficult looking at the early prices here. She's around, or the revised market, she's around six, five in a few places, and the revised coral sponsors are five. Um, 
Five to one, four places each way. Looks looks rock solid. I, I'll go Bridestones in this each way. I think she'll run well. Okay, well, the feature race of the day and indeed the weekend really at Sandown is the mile and a quarter Coral Eclipse. It is, of course, the Group 1 part of the British Champion Series. Disappointing, really, only four runners going to go to post in this one and only one three-year-old, that is Paddington. We'll hear from Aidan shortly. So it's Paddington bringing up the classic generation. Emily up John's four-year-old Philip I see the stars, who's been in great form. She won uh, the Coronation Cup in good style at Epsom, but uh, drops down in trip again today. Dubai Honor goes for William Haggis and Westwind Blows, who's second behind Pile Driver, goes there for Simon and Ed Crisford. Before we hear what Bill has to say about the coal eclipse, as I say, earlier on in the week, Thursday was actually lunchtime. We managed to speak via the Jockey Club, had a press conference via Zoom with Aidan O'Brien. And uh, we had a little chat with Aidan, asked a few questions. And uh, he started off talking about Paddington and uh, what has happened since his win, a comfortable one, in the St. James Palace Stakes at Royal Ascot. Everything has went well with Paddington since Ascot. He hasn't done much, um, but everything has been good with him. Um, there was always a chance that he would run. Um, obviously, we were trying to give him as much time as, as we could. Um, so um, everybody seems happy with him at the moment. He's nice and fresh and, and well. Um, Adrian rides him out every day. He's very happy. Andrew, who's in charge of him. Um, uh, Davey uh, and Anatoly, uh, who look after him. Um, uh, Seamus rides him in his work. And uh, everyone seems very happy with him. Now. John always thought that he would get a, a mile and a quarter. Uh, was well within his... Uh, compass pedigree wise uh ryan was always kind of very happy that he would as well so uh seamus rides and work I, I think everyone is kind of happy that he, he it should be well within his compass um so we we we'll see obviously very prestigious race um forever uh for a stallion um it's the first time the generations really meet um and everybody gets a feel where they all are but um very prestigious race um for any horse going to stud especially He's very straightforward horse. He, he, Ryan will go forward on him. He's he's very happy to do anything really. Um, he's he, he's like he's very happy to be forward in his races anyway. Obviously, the Eclipse at Group One. It's a prestigious race. Has been over the years, over the mile in the quarter. And as a three-year-old, first of all, are you surprised that Paddington's the only three-year-old taking part this year? And and the weight allowance that he gets for being the younger horse, he's actually rated highest in the field, but has the lowest weight, this is really an ideal opportunity for him to show what he can really do at this level. Yeah, I suppose, um, Chris, they've always got fairly right, um, the people gone before us with the weight allowances and the way they have the weight, the weight for age scale and, and, and all that. I think it's always fairly right. And obviously a, a three-year-old uh, is usually not as mature as the older horses yet. Um, but as the year goes on, it, it kind of levels up, doesn't it? So um, it's listen. It, it, the Eclipse is a is a very um, prestigious race, really, for a three year old to win, and especially if, if a horse is going to stud, Chris, you know. Um, and it's a good track; it's always very well maintained, and you get a good picture about where you're going after, uh, really. Um, obviously, because he he we think that he came out of Ascot very well, that's the reason why we we were uh, giving him the chance to do it. The plan was to go to Goodwood, but. Uh, He'd be like I say again because he came out of race so well. We think uh, we thought that he could take it in on the way. And you're surprised only he's the only three year old. Yeah, I, I, 
not really, but like cause sometimes it happens, and you, you probably have to have a good three year old to take on good older horses. Um, and uh, like I, I think uh, I'm not sure was there another three year old when Saint Mark's won it either. Um, so I, I suppose like it only takes one or two really. And finally, he's got options obviously throughout the season. Would you still consider the Sussex Stakes if if he didn't literally stand the mile in a quarter? Or you got the Judd Monty's in that as well. He's got options, isn't he? Irish champion. He's, you know, he's got a option of coming back to a mile if a mile and a quarter doesn't suit. But it would appear from his entries that it's going to be further rather than rather than just a mile for him. Yeah, no, we, he's in all the races because his pedigree kind of says that he should stay further than a mile. Um, he's a big rangy horse. He's out of a Montu mare, so that we always felt that there was a chance. Um, but that's why he's in all the races and. He, he goes through his, his canter work very easy and his homework and his, his um, work um, between the canters uh, very well. Uh, he just does everything very easy and, and uh, he is um, uh, looks to be progressing from race to race uh, really, Chris. That is, of course, Aidan O'Brien talking to us earlier in the week. No surprise, Bill, with only four, that uh, he's saying Rymore will go forward on Paddington. They had the chance to run Luxembourg in this race as well, but he's basically said in the conference that it was either one or the other and Luxembourg wouldn't go unless if Paddington did. So they don't need anyone to, to lead them in, in a forerunner field. He'll try and take them on from the front. He's got that weight allowance that I mentioned, but uh, as he got the class to beat Emily up, John, it does look a bit of a match when you look at the betting. So 11 to 10, Paddington 5 to 4. Emily up, John. How did you see the race? Yeah, the race is is a fascinating a bit of deja vu, really, from a couple of years ago. If you remember um, uh, the eclipse of of twenty twenty one, when um, St Mark's Basilica from the same stable came over and took on uh, three others in a in a in a forerunner kind of duel um, against a good horse of John Gosden's again, Misriff, this time the role played by Emily Upjohn with the supporting cast being one of Haggis's. Uh, that day it was a Dave who ended up finishing second this time around. It's Dubai honor. Uh, it just feels very much the same. And that day it was a case of the three-year-old having to prove whether he was as good, as good as a, a globetrotter like Misriff. And the truth was, is that the allowance was enough to swing it. It was Obviously, the best part of um, ten pounds that day because it was Colt against Colt. This time around, it's a slightly different thing. So we've got seven pounds swing because Emily Upjohn being a filly, and another really good three-year-old of the O'Briens, probably his best three-year-old in in the shape of Paddington. Um, I've seen the word unbeaten feature in plenty of copy in the build-up to this race. He was actually beaten on his debut, but he's got enough, he's got enough ones next to his name now for people to forget that he's unbeaten because. On the Racing Post site, he appears as one dash one 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 because the five slipped off the radar, but he did get beaten on his debut. Um, just being penantic there, but well, he got beat by eight lengths as well. By the way, he wasn't like he was second or anything. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a crap race in Ascot last September as well, which makes it even more weird. But no, Pallington <laughs> is is a very good horse. Um, probably going to be suited by the step up in trip. Like I said, probably Aiden's best three year old. Taking on Emily Upjohn, who was really good at uh, Epsom last te- last time, um, having uh, been a bit keen and, and, and won at Ascot on Champions Day. Um, she's the one who takes the drop back in trip. Um, first time she's run over this trip since she won the Musadora. 
but she should she stays well and she she should still be um uh good enough to be competitive she she probably should be favorite on the form book um particularly on ratings and the fact that she's only rated three pounds behind Paddington and gets the seven pounds worth but I just think Paddington is a is a class act uh from a betting point of view it's a bit annoying that it's the it's only the four runners because there's there's no each way edge because as this race was unfolding I was I was kind of keen on um Westwind blows who I think is going to be the pace angle in the race and going to go from the front and there's a danger if they want to go really hard that Westwind blows might get a really soft lead and they probably won't now because it's only the four runners but if there've been five or six they could have let Westwind blows go and he he is he's is is not a complete rag here Westwind blows he's been his second to pile driver last time but he keeps galloping that's the key with him and they previously won at Longchamp um yeah, a group 3 um going quite clear you know going clear on the front end and then not being reeled in now he's more than likely going to get reeled in here but you know don't forget this is a horse that was wasn't beaten far um behind and Matt in a good group 2 at Longchamp last year um again you know, being being involved in in, in the in the late tussles um, because he just doesn't fold. So, I, I was interested in in Westwind blows from the front if um, if there'd be another each way places, but the win only makes it less appealing now. But I don't think they want to give Westwind Rose too much rope. Um, it's not really a betting race for me. It's definitely a watching race because it's heads or tails. If you have a strong view on heads, it's bound to fall on tails. My heads would be Paddington. Um, I just like this three-year-old. I think he's on a roll. Um, I think he won a good St. James's Palace. I think he's a bit like, you know, similar to St. Mark's Basilica in that, that he's a son of Sayuni that's going to relish the the step up to um, Amman La Quarter. Um, the dam stayed miles further, so there's no reason why Paddington shouldn't be equally effective. I think he'll just have too much speed for Emily Upjohn, if, if I'm honest. Um but she's plenty quick at the same time, so it's hard to have a real strong view. I think it is a coin toss, and I would go Paddington. He's got him in the arc, by the way, as a, an entry, just in case he does stay um, a mile and a quarter well. And, you know, he wasn't against running him in the arc over a mile and a half. So interesting. They obviously think, the, the lads think that he's going to be a bit of a long-distance horse in, in time, and, and he's done very well winning his first race from a handicap, going in to win Group 1 at Royal Ascot. It's a great performance so far. We've seen in recent years with Aiden is that the one they tout as the best of their two moving into three-year-old crop often isn't. Yeah. I think we've seen it for the last three or four years. We've seen the likes of Luxembourg and, and et al, you know, that, that, that weren't the best of the punch. And um, even this year's Derby winner, you know, if, there was something unsatisfactory about his win in Ireland last time, uh, the Irish Derby last weekend. Um, you just got a feeling with Paddington that he was never on anyone's radar as being the best of the three-year-olds. But if he won the Eclipse and then headed up to, to win a Judmont or an Irish Champion Stakes, he could easily end up in an arc. And it'd be interesting to know which one um, Ryan would go for. But I, I think Paddington might be the best of the bunch. So... It'll be interesting, but he's obviously got to go and win over a mile and a quarter first. And um, you'll be pleased to know, Bill. By the way, it's just as a postscript that August Rodin was one of the questions asked in the press conference, and uh, Aiden still calls him Augustus. 
So Augustus. <laughs> I think they all do. The lads all call him Augustus too. So we're still on track with Augustus Rodan. Great stuff. Uh, okay. Thanks to Aiden for joining us on that press conference. Thanks to Jockey Club for organizing it. And we'll move on to Haydock. Let's go there for the first TV race of their afternoons at 2.05. Mile and three quarter handicap with a nice field of 14. Rogue C for Tom Clover. Danny Tuthope has won two of his three races so far. So uh, pretty much lightly race. Steps up in trip. He's won on soft and he's won on good to firm as well. So not a problem for him, whatever ground they present. Lordship makes the... Travel up there for William Haggis's yard. Alan Farragher in the saddle once again, having won his last two, most recently at Yarmouth. Pledge of Allegiance, Mark Prescott. He knows how to get a bit of a sequence going. Red Cart and Doncaster wins for the Sun and Sea of the Stars. Banderas has got cheek pieces on the first time for Michael Bell and others in the race as well. Rugsy, very lightly raced, has only had three runs and on the improve all the time. Up to ninety now from eighty three in the handicap bill. Yeah, definitely, definitely improving. This this race is 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 fascinating because, um, you know, Rogue Seed Rogue Seed look, looks the obvious one. There's been plenty of money around for Lordship, uh, for the Haggis team. This is a horse that dotted up over a mile and six last time. Um, the handicap has thrown on eight pounds of coal, but whether that's enough to stop him. Um, who knows? Lordship's been well found. I could see Lordship potentially going to favourite this rate. He's already down to five to one. Um, and you've got a loads of other ones. You've got a, a Mark Prescott, Luke Morris horse in Pledge of Allegiance. He's on a, on a bidding for a hat trick. You've got Banderas, who won well at Chester. Um, you've got Chile. It's probably the horse that I'd probably end up landing on. Brian Ellison horse here, who's just a price thing here. Ch- Chile, you can back at 10 to one. Four places. This is number four, Chile. Um, caught the eye last time at Chester, running on well over over a mile and a half. So the step up and triple suit uh, stays off that mark of 86. Probably well, well handicapped. Uh, sh- should run well. And then you've got the balding horse in Galactic Jack uh, for Andrew Balding and Harry Davis. This is a horse by Galileo out of Jack Naylor. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty immaculately bred. Uh, bred for higher things than this and um things didn't really go according to plan at the beginning of the year and has looked you know t- took a big step forward in in tongue time pieces last time earned a mark of 95 for this um relatively straightforward could go well i thought this was hard i think there'll be plenty of fancied horses in here and i was just going to play chili because i thought he's progressive and solid and a double figure price and could potentially hit the frame or better at 240, mile and a half, bet 365. Lancashire Oaks is a group two for Phillies and Mares. On a field of nine, Mimi Q goes for Jonathan Gosden in the George Strawbridge Colours. She's a daughter of Dubawi, who ran a good race, second short head behind River of Stars in the group three at York recently. She had previously bombed out in the uh, Phillies and Mares group one Champions Day back in October when 18 lengths behind Emily Upjohn, the stable companion of course but had one at Doncaster previous to that Seasook Road goes back to Haydock she won there last time in the race that was honouring Lester Piggott uh, William Haggis trains she won by three quarters of a length Mark Wanda was on board but it's Danny Tudhope on Saturday for her uh, Aristia goes for Richard Hannon Sean Levy a winner over in France won the pre-Jean Romanet group one 
at Deauville over 10 furlongs as her most recent victory. And Timelock, who I think was setting off favourite at Haydock in that Leicester pig at stakes, uh, really disappointed, beaten three lengths by Seal Silk Road on that occasion, was the even money favourite, had Ryan on board, and David Probert takes over for the Charltons uh, and would have a bit to do maybe to turn it around with Seal Silk Road. But uh, what do we make of Mimikyu here, Bill? Yeah, Mimikyu is pretty short. The short is kind of six to five in a place. Uh, was beaten um, last time we we saw her in action at York over this mile and six trip behind River and, River of Stars. Look, she's not straightforward. She doesn't travel brilliantly. Um, they've messed around with various bits of headgear with her to try and try and pull out the, the best of her. Again, she's she's got no headgear on. Look, she 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 may well win. She's classy on rating. She's she's close to the best of these. Just a pound behind Aristia. She, she'll run well. It's just whether you want to take her. At, you know, eleven to ten, eleven to eight, whatever price she'll be. Um, I'd rather leave her alone. I think she's there's a lot more risk um, than reward attached to her. Um, it's a trappy race. The market, the money seems to be for Aristia in this. She's a smart filly. She's an unpenalised Group One winner. That's why the money comes for her. Um, you just got to make a decision on whether you think the step back up to a mile and a half will suit her. Um, there wasn't much to like about her reappear- reappearance run behind Free Wind at York back in May, but plenty went wrong there. Uh, she lost both shoes, and uh, the fact that we haven't seen her suggests there might have been a few other things that miss. Uh, so, look, the money's come for her. She'll, she'll probably bounce forward and go well again. I just thought, look, at the prices, I thought the Seasit Robe was the most solid of them. I thought that was a really good run um, over course and distance last time. It was a big step forward from her previous start the mile and a half trip suits well um i thought she'd just be a bit shorter she's 92 five to one i thought that was just a bit bigger than i thought she would be and yeah i i would go defensively with her but it wouldn't be a race i had a huge strong view about but i thought she was the call and the final race we're going to look at on tv is the 315 mile and a half bet 365 old newton cup always a popular betting race in a big field of 17 so we've got each way options here a light Yakel's going to be one of the favourites here. William Haggis, you've fancied his horse in the previous race. Uh, this horse won two in a row, Sutherland and Ascot, and then was beaten five lengths at Newmarket in the most recent handicap weight run. Cumberland Imbus goes for Charlie Fellows, Richard Kingscott, having won its last two in a row now, the Son of Night of Thunder. And Eve Johnson Horton's been in good form. Sheer Rocks is her runner, also a winner of two in a row. May won at Ascot and June uh, won on, uh, I think that was Derby Day, wasn't it? At Epsom, winning by two lengths, beat Case Chorister on that occasion. Max Sutton in there for Huey Morrison and uh, one smooth operator. And on that note, here's Bill. Seamless. Uh, <laughs> you get these these valuable mile half handicaps and almost the kind of haggis horse has to, by default, land itself in as favourite. Mm-hmm. Um, irrespective of what the form book tells you, and Leia Keel is just that animal. He's he's first time we've seen him this year was progressive last year, rattled up a couple of wins, including an impressive win at Ascot off a mark of 87. Step forward again to finish fourth at Newmarket. Haven't seen him since. See, could easily be still ahead of Hamley Kappa year on, strengthened up, got stronger. Trip will be fine. Is he thrown in off a mark of 92? The market will tell you on the day. I'm not so, so sure he is that he deserves to be. Uh, up there, whether well, he deserves to be a shorter favourite, I don't know. Um, Cumulo Limbus got a bit of a soft lead for Charlie Fellows' team last over, over course and distance last time, off 89, is £5 higher. 
Harry Davis was taking three pounds off. Um, this time, Richard Kinscott takes over. Um, good front running jockey around Haydock. So you can, yeah, the jockey bookings tell, tells you what the the orders are going to be for Cumulo Nimbus again. Whether he gets a soft lead or not, I'm not so sure. Chirox, like you say, is on a hat-trick bid, is in, in, in improving with every start this season. They always thought he, the world of him last year and he never got to show it. And he's £5 higher from his Epsom win, so he'll run well again. Um, I like Maxud. Maxud's the horse we all seem to go for. Every tipster under the sun was with Maxud at, at Ascot, 25s into kind of 7s or 8s. Um, in the valuable handicap behind um, in the Duke of Edinburgh behind Akita Sushi and everything went wrong. Brown was probably a little bit too quick, if truth be told. Um, ended up chasing or going very close to chasing a ferocious pace and then just faded out of it late on, um, beaten five and a half lengths, um, but just had done his running before they turned in. Handicap has been lenient, dropped him a couple of pounds for that. Um, in the build-up to that race, uh, Huey Morrison did some interviewing on TV and had said how this horse had worked really well with Quickthorn and was in great form. Um, I'm entitled to forgive him or prepared to forgive him uh, that poor showing at Ascot. I'll go with him again here and chance my arm. I think he'll run really well. Um, I think there's still eight or nine available, nine to one available this morning, Maxud. I think he's ridden with a bit more restraint by David Egan. Uh, he can he can run really well at around nine to one. And the other one at a big price, uh, you know, it's a bit of a Brian Ellison love in, is one smooth operator. This is a horse that finished fourth to Cumulo Nimbus. Uh, last time ran on when the, when the show was over. Um, I think they may end up going as, just as quick a pace here. And I think he can build on that. And one smooth operator can fall and hit the frame. But hopefully Maxud will get the job done. So let's have a look on Sunday. Shouting Racecourse have their usual Sunday card. They've got 11 races this week, and our racing expert Wally Pyra joins us. But Wally, it's been a bit last minute with the entries this weekend because they moved the meetings, didn't they? Last week you had Monday and Thursday, so not a lot of time to get everything ready. Well, it's because they because earlier in the season there was a a, a meeting abandoned or cancelled at Happy Valley because of a typhoon. Right. So they've got they bought that extra meeting into this week. So um, you've got where they moved the valley from Wednesday to Thursday. Yeah, it's been a bit of a thing, but the entries kept, well, not the entries were out, but they they published the race card this morning on Friday, and uh, mm. it looks it looks again it's a, an end of season card. You, as I, I keep saying, um, the last couple of weeks is a lot of last chance saloon for many horses and for connections and owners who want to get a winning before the season finishes. There's, there's, there's only three meetings, including Sunday's card. Um, but 11 races, it looks a good card. Before we start on um, the racing on Sunday, I have to say that um, our... The champion sprinter, or one of the champion sprinters, Wellington, ran at Royal Ascot. Very yeah. disappointing. Didn't didn't show his true form. Poor old Brian Moore got a, a bloody nose on on that day when the horse's head shot up when the stalls opened. Well, he's because Gibson has packed up and is leaving um, uh, in a couple of weeks' time. 
Wellington has now gone to Jamie Richards' yard. Now, Jamie Richards is the rookie trainer who joined this season. I mean, he won every conceivable big race in New Zealand. He's had a very good start to his career in Hong Kong. He's had 34 wins and still counting. Um, so it's quite it's a good feather in the cap of Jamie Richards to get uh, Wellington. We'll see how he goes. And the other big news is that Hong Kong may send over romantic warrior, uh, Danny Shum, champion, mm. you know, one of the top half dozen champion horse rated horses in the world. That looks likely, or at least they're planning to run a romantic warrior in the Cox Plate in Australia, which right. will be obviously later in the season. Um, but he'll be trained for that. So that's the bit of news that's come out of Hong Kong so far. But going back to um, the racing on Sunday, again, it's going to be all about Zach Purton. Purton rode another treble um, at uh, Happy Valley. He's now three behind Joan Marrera's all-time seasonal record of 170. Purton's on 168. Included on that uh, treble that he got on Wednesday was it was his 16th hundredth winner mm. in Hong Kong. It's unbelievable. The superlatives, you just run out of them, what he's done yeah. this season, Purton. Yeah. Yeah. As I say, he rides in all 11 races. And that, to me, it's a matter of if not when he passes this record on Sunday. Mm. I'm looking down his rides. He's got a ride in every race. It starts nine o'clock and it's quite right actually in Hong Kong now because the weather is so hot there. It's 33 degrees or it will be 33 degrees. It's in the in those temperatures. So it's good that Hong Kong has done the late starting. So it starts at nine o'clock in the morning in um, the UK. But looking down his rides, he rides in the nine o'clock in the six furlong sprint. He rides a horse called Kai Ying Victory that won first up. He'll be a short price to win again. The 9.30, he was saying it looks a match-up in the sprint between Courier Wonder and Duke Wire. I've looked at the race. Courier Wonder was fourth to Lucky Swainus in the Hong Kong Vars sprint last time out. He was second in the chairman's sprint, Courier Wonder. He's one of these horses, horses that looks should win a race but hasn't quite got it. But this is yeah. his best chance up against him is our old favourite, Duke Y, with Purton aboard. He was three and a half lengths behind Courier Wonder um, when they ran earlier in the season in the chairman's sprint. He returned from Dubai where he ran a real stormer in that race. Mm -hmm. um, he failed when he came back, but he, he won his trial recently. Um, he looked much better. He's trained by Pierre mm, who's who's doing exceptionally well. He's had seven winners out of his last 40 runners um, in the last month. So he's stables in form. So all in all, it's a good matchup between Bowman on Courier Wonder and Purton on Duke Y. Anyway, carrying on, the 10.30 race is an interesting one that Purton rides. He teams up with John Size and he rides a horse called Endeared. Now, Endeared last season 
was trained by James Fanshawe. And it uh, won won a race at Newmarket in August over six furlongs and beat a horse called Sharin, C-H-A-R-Y-N. And Sharin is this season has finished third to Paddington in the St. James's Palace and fourth in the Irish 2000 Guinness. So that reads pretty good form. And Deard was a real eye-catcher last time out when he ran. Absolutely flew home with Luke Curry aboard. He's been taken off. Purton gets the ride. He does look a ready-made winner. Further, more of his rides are Raging Blizzard, it's a newcomer. His trials have looked good again for John Size in the 1130. Um, Ho Ho Stard's got a huge amount of ability. Looks very green and inexperienced, but again, Purton takes over for Dennis Ship's yard. Ragnar is a newcomer with ability. And then when we come to the later races in the 140, Purton's gets up on last start winner. Helios Express, really and truly on form. This is going to be a three-to-one on shot, I would imagine. He won so comfortably last time out. He looks a horse with a great deal of a potential and should, yeah, he would be a big surprise if he lost. And finally, it's interesting to see that Purton gets up on the top weight, a horse that's been close to my heart this season because I've... I fancied it a couple of times when it won a horse called Dromberg Banner. Now, Dromberg Banner's been running against the likes of Tuchel and Beauty Eternal. So he's going to find this company much easier than he's racing here. He has got top class. Um, sorry, he has got top weight, but he is down in class. He trialled recently. His trial was very good. He will take a lot of beating, but... He's top weight, so he won't be easy. But all in all, those are the rides that Purton's got. If he doesn't get at least three winners, it will be very disappointing for him. Thanks, Wally. Looks like Zach Purton is going to break that record probably this weekend. We'll keep an eye on that. You can watch all the action from Hong Kong Sunday morning on Sky Sports Racing here in the UK. Thanks to Wally. Thanks to Bill for the previews this weekend and that's all from us for today also a big thanks to Aidan O'Brien for joining us on the podcast as well we'll be back again next week as we take our usual look ahead to the weekend's racing action in the UK and Hong Kong so please make sure that you join us then don't forget to visit the City AM website for all the latest news and horse racing tips and follow the podcast on Apple Tunes, Spotify Amazon Music and Stitcher to get the latest episodes as soon as they're released. 